Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 5. When you have come into the land that your Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord that your God, your God, that I have come to, into this land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, he shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well read. Thank you, Mr. Strawn. Well done. And thank you to uh, everybody who has helped this morning, and also to those of you who helped on Wednesday night. If you are visiting to OKC First, we are very attentive to the Christian calendar And so we are in the season of Lent, kicked off as it is by Ash Wednesday. So this past Wednesday night, we had uh, a bunch of you. Thank you for coming to our Ash Wednesday service. Now, uh, as I am uh, prone to do, I kind of end up kind of walking through the sanctuary periodically and... um, (laughs) Walk through the sanctuary on Thursday after Wednesday, and Cody's picture was still pretty prominently displayed up there. Cody drew that. Um, are we about there, Chris? Are we getting close? All right. Uh, in fact, I want you to see, some of you were not here on Wednesday night, and I, I want you to kind of see how this all came about here. This was Cody. I asked him during my sermon on Wednesday night to go ahead and and sketch out what he, what he saw, and he was remarkably fast when he did it. It's an incredibly fast. Um, and a lot of you said to me, I, I kind of saw it all coming together. I did not realize that he was actually putting a, a drawing a skull until the very end. Uh, Lint confronts us with our human capacity to choose death and deathliness even though life is offered to us. Eternal, boundless life is always offered to us. God is good, God is gracious, and God offers us life, and still we have it in us, at least I have it in me, to choose death, dead ends, deathly situations. And the season of Lent gives us an opportunity to look into that mirror. Man, it's hard. In fact, we do it together. So there will be times when I'm holding a mirror up for you saying, hey, look at this. Look at this image. Look at yourself. Look at Christ and confess the difference. And you'll hold that same mirror up for me and you'll say, hey, John, pastor, look at yourself. 
Now look at Jesus and confess this difference. That is, that is the point of the season of Lent, to prepare ourselves, to prepare ourselves to be tools that fit better in God's hand during the season of resurrection. Now some of you might say, you know, it's going to be kind of weird for several weeks to have a skull in a sanctuary. In fact, some of you might say, that does it. This place is just too weird for me. Uh, they've got skulls in the sanctuary. And I, the reason I think there might be one or two of you who might say that is because I walked through the sanctuary on that Thursday and I said, do I want a skull in the sanctuary for the season of Lent? And then it hit me. The very next thought was, that is the measure, the extent to which we have somehow figured out a way to make this something less than awful. Folks, this is awful. Now I know some of you are wearing it in gold around your necks. But this is awful. I don't think the skull says anything more than what this has said for thousands of years. And I want to remind us that uh, the cross around here at least is not the symbol for how angry God gets at your sinfulness or my sinfulness. This is not the place where God killed Jesus. We killed Jesus. People just like you and me. So what this is, what this is, is a symbol of the extent to which love will go to make love's point. This is not the site where God killed Jesus. This is the site, this is the site where God suffered love for us. Though we made and perhaps continue to make the kinds of decisions, the kinds of decisions that lead to death and deathliness, sometimes for ourselves and sometimes for others. Man, we'll probably leave the skull up because we're probably going to leave the cross up. Is that okay? And the cross and the skull will serve as the constant and at times, rightfully so, uncomfortable reminders that we do have some things to confess. We have some things to work out. That is unless we forget, <laughs> which is kind of the theme of today's sermon is forgetting and what happens when we forget. Now I am, a, and actually if, uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good forgetter, meaning I'm good at forgetting things, right? Uh, my, my daughter sent me a text not too long ago. It was actually a, a picture and on, the, on this picture, it was a caption that read like this. It was a young lady about her age saying, is it really your dad if when you're telling him a story about something and about somebody that you know at school or at work, is it really your dad if he doesn't look at you and say, who? <laughs> I do that to her all the time. She can tell me about the same person day after day after day. And when she tells me the next story, I can say, now who are we talking about again? Now what, what are we talking about again? And sometimes it's real, Taylor. Sometimes it's real. Sometimes I don't know. What you're talking about. I'm a good forgetter. In fact, I would say this. Uh, in order to remember, I have to intend to remember. You ever heard of uh, mnemonic devices? Mnemonic devices help you to remember things. I've, I've got a couple for you here. Here's one. If you need for some reason to remember all of the planets in their order, then... <laughs> Rather than just remembering the names of the planets, maybe you can say, my very excellent mother just served us nine pizzas. And that helps you to know what all the planets are. It's a kind of goofy mnemonic device. Or here's one. 
if you need to remember the order of mathematical operations, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, right? Now, sometimes they're really super, super crucial that we remember what to do if someone is having a stroke. Have you seen this before? Okay, check the face, check the arms, check the speech, and it's time to contact somebody at 911. So these mnemonic devices are important for us. Here's one more. If you want to remember your guitar strings, right? Maybe you can, so E-A-D-G-B-E. Uh, it can be every average dude gets better eventually, right? <laughs> or my personal favorite, Eddie ate dynamite. Goodbye, Eddie. Remembering is important to people of faith. Have you ever checked, have you ever thought, it's a better way to ask it, ever thought about how much we do that is intended to help you remember? We do all kinds of things in the hopes that you and I will remember we are careful, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we are careful no matter who's up here to give the welcome or who's up here to do the call to worship, we are careful to say some of the same things. Now, there may be some adaptation depending on who's up here, but we are careful to say some of the same things because it is so important that you remember that moving around during the meet and greet is an act of worship because we are putting skin and flesh on the welcome and the hospitality of God. Sound familiar? When it's the call to worship, we read the psalm. Typically, we would, except during Lent, we're going to do something different, and that was beautiful today, Carla. We will make sure that that's up on the website so you can have access to that poem. But typically, during a call to worship, somebody gets up and says something like this. We don't sing to change God's mind about us. Now, if you're visiting, watch this. Because God's mind about us is made up, and the news is? Yeah. Because, man... It's important to remember because it's dangerous to forget. It's important to remember, partially at least, because it's dangerous to forget. So I guess, in some sense, as a pastor, I need to, on a regular basis, ask us, me included, if we are remembering to remember. Because if we don't remember... Not only are we in danger, but we're putting people around us in danger. Let's just talk about a stroke, right? If you forget fast, then perhaps you yourself can be in danger or somebody around you can be in danger in the exact same ways. If we forget to remember, if we aren't intentional about remembering all that we're supposed to remember, then there's danger dead ahead. The best commentary I read in preparation for this sermon this week was written by our former pastor. Here's the, the chief thing that we have to remember. We are who we are by the gift and grace of God. And all God's people said, man, that wasn't good enough. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to give you another shot. Everything we are. If you're not careful, I'm going to break out my picture of the iceberg again, and I know you don't want that. Again, if you're visiting, I have worn out that picture of that iceberg. And, but what the iceberg demonstrates is this, that on top there you have these 
actions and behaviors. And just beneath the surface, you have a much bigger part of the iceberg, and that's where motivation comes from. And at the bottom, you have the biggest part of the iceberg, and that is where a worldview sort of is located. And what I would say to you is this. We have an odd worldview, we believing people, we Christians, and the worldview goes something like this. God is good, God is gracious, and God gives good gifts. That's our giant worldview, the deepest part of the iceberg. If we forget that, man, we could find ourselves on another iceberg. And so Dr. Green reminds us in the book of Deuteronomy, and this passage today out of Deuteronomy 26, I don't know if you know this, but this is one of the most crucial passages in all of Scripture. In fact, the book of Deuteronomy probably does not get its due. It is one of the most important books in all of Scripture, Deuteronomy. Because it says so often that Israel's election is founded not on the greatness of the people, but on the basic fact of God's love for Israel. The electing favor of God is sheer grace. Later on in the book, in chapter 7, God will say to Israel, look, I chose you. Was it because you were bigger and better looking than everybody else? No, I chose you because I love you. And I am giving you these gifts because I love you. And I am giving you a sense of identity. Wow, big word. We're going to come back to that one. And I'm giving you a sense of calling and purpose. More big words that we'll come back to. Because I love you. And because I love you and I'm giving you identity and calling and purpose, I'm also going to give you this gift, gift of the law. Now, some of you may not feel that, that it's a gift. But it was a gift, and they understood it as a gift because it was a way to live out this identity, a way to live out this calling and this purpose. They received it as a gift. We don't sometimes, but they did. And it was so important. God's posture toward them was so important. This deep understanding of life was so important that you have another crucial, crucial passage here in Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your might, and now listen to what it said, keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart, recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Remember, 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 something breaks when we don't remember. Let me say it like this, something breaks when the people of God forget to remember. Later on, the same paragraph. As plain as it can be said, take care that you do not forget the Lord. Here's what I think, and here's the Lenten message for all of us who want in any way to be identified with believing people. I think, I think Christians forget too often who they are because they've forgotten who God is. And so you can have, this is my soapbox, Apologize, getting back up on it. That's why you can have so many churches, <laughs> so many pastors, more churches than gas stations. We are the second most churched state in the country and the third most churched big city in the country, and we lead the world in incarceration rates. 
tops in the nation or bottom, depending on how you look at it, in suicide rate, divorce, addiction, obesity. What? Yeah, here's why. We forgot to remember. And when the people of God forget to remember, lives are at stake. Okay, well, I'm more excited about that than you are. It's okay. Let's keep going. Here's what happens when we forget. When we forget the story of God's grace and gifts, two dangerous sins are soon to follow. And those two sins are, you ready? Idolatry, because if God is not God, then something or someone else is. That's sort of the definition of idolatry. And injustice. What I said about identity and calling. (laughs) Our identity comes with the calling, and that calling is to make sure that we are accomplishing the justice of God. And when we forget who God is, when we forget who we are, when we forget our calling and our purpose, people don't get fed. People aren't taught to read. People are exploited. We push people on the margins outside of the boundaries. Injustice is evidence that the people of God have forgotten who God is and who we are. So the question I have to ask us today is this. Have you, have I, have we as a church? Have we forgotten to remember who God is, who we are as a reflection of God and what that means for our Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays? Believing that human beings had the capacity to forget, God whispered into the ear of Moses, there are a few things that you can probably do to help the people to remember to remember. And that's why we get this in chapter 26. Now, let me set the stage for you a little bit. They have been wandering for decades now in the wilderness in hopes of finally realizing this promised land and they can now see it. I mean, picture, it's about to be a land run, right? Oklahoma people get that. There's about to be a land run. But Moses knows that he's not going to go with them. And so Moses spends the entirety of the book of Deuteronomy coaching them up. Here's what you need to do when you get over there. Here's what you need to do when you get over there. You have to remember to remember if you're going to be the people of God and put skin and flesh on the presence of God. You have to remember to remember and don't forget your origin story. So when you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess and possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground. Well, this is evidence here that they are no longer slaves in somebody else's territory. They are now farmers and settlers in the, God, in the God-given land, and they are going to be able to feed themselves their security and resource because of this gift of the land. And God says, yeah, but don't forget, I'm giving you this land to steward. And so bring the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, And you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God 
that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. And when the priest, I love this, when the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. Now, I'm about to read you stuff. I'm having it on the screen too, but I want you to watch the use of pronouns here. We, us, they're going to tell and retell these stories that happened decades, decades, maybe hundreds of years before, but they're going to tell these stories as if they were eyewitnesses to the story, as if this is their story as well, which is appropriate because this is their story as well. And as I start to read this story, perhaps the distance we should measure is between you or me and whether or not this seems like our story. Have we forgotten that we are connected to this wandering Aramean? A wandering Aramean, we think, we think that this is Jacob, although it could be other characters. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. Wandering here could have been translated, <laughs> a destitute vagrant was my ancestor. He went down to Egypt and lived there as an alien, an immigrant, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. All right, now, listen to the story. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk, which means that there's pasture for cows, and honey, which means that there's vegetation for the bees. So now, in response... And in gratitude, which by the way, I agree with all the kinds of people who read it this week, I think the only way to be reliably Christian in the world is to be a person of gratitude. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. And then you together with the Levites, I'll tell you the story in a second, and the immigrants or aliens, who reside among you shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and your house. <sighs> Somebody in this room is going to get mad at me again. You're going to get mad at me again, again. Because you're going to think that I'm going to wander into political territory and you're going to go to lunch, you're going to say, I just wish for once that I could hear about religion separated from politics. That's what's wrong with Oklahoma, everybody. <laughs> We've separated religion from politics and so people are hungry. I'm going to try not to be partisan. I don't want that. I do want you to know that the God who gives you life as a gift, the God who gives you resource as a gift, the God who gives you identity as a gift, the God who gives you purpose and calling as a gift, intends for you to live out that calling in ways that benefit other people. 
Levites, just one of the 12 tribes. There's a story, and we're actually gonna get to it later on in the year. God brings them into the promised land, and then they parcel out the land, and each tribe gets a track, except for the Levites. The Levites are the last people who walk up, and they kind of go, okay, I can't wait to see what kind of land we get. And here's what's said to the Levites. Ah, you don't get any land. You, amongst the other tribes, you get no land. You're gonna be the people who are sort of the religious, the clerical people, and God says this is beautiful. Everybody else got a portion of land. God said to the Levites, I will be your portion. That was totally free of charge. It means you have to take care of your pastor. Anyway, anyway, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But also the aliens. I don't care how you vote. Actually, I do kind of care how you vote. I think you should vote. I do want you to know that the people of God are called and have been from day one and still are today to care for the aliens among us. Those who lack the security that land gives them. Have your opinions on security. That's fine. Have your opinions on what should happen as we have the discussion about immigration, but have them as Christians who happen to be in this conversation rather than Republicans who are trying to figure out a way to be Christian within a Republican mindset or Christians who are Democrats first and are trying to figure out a way how to be Christian within a Democratic mindset. What matters first and foremost is who God is and who you are as a reflection and what that means about your identity and your calling. Some of you are visiting today. I'm getting better amens than I have gotten in a long time. God bless you all. (laughs) Christians first. Verse 12. It's not actually a part of our lectionary text today, but I think it has to be included. Verse 12, chapter 26. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of the tithe, giving it to the Levites, the aliens the orphans and the widows, so that they may eat their fill within your towns, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion from the house and I have given it to the Levites, the resident aliens, the orphans and the widows, in accordance with your entire commandment that you commanded me. the end of that same prayer look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the ground that you have given us as you swore to our ancestors a land flowing with milk and honey I guess what I'm saying is this and this is what this picture is trying to say When we remember who God is, when we remember that God is a gift-giving God, when we remember that God in God's graciousness has chosen us and given us life as gift, when we remember all of that, it starts to shape our corporate identity and our corporate imagination, who we are and what it means to be us. And 
it means that we will behave in certain ways that probably will be understood as odd in some circles in our society. The people of God are supposed to be weird. At least, at least, if we're letting the rest of the culture, a hoarding culture, let's put an almost Christian value on amassing and then protecting wealth, me, mine, and my own. Christians are the people who walk around saying, hang on. What we have, we have as a gift. What we have, we have because God is a gift-giving God. I'm not supposed to grip with two hands that which God has given me as a gift. We said this, man, we said this on Wednesday night. I don't know how many people came down, but a bunch of you came down. I I was so gratified to see how many of you came to participate in such a meaningful thing, only to have someone say to you, remember that you were dust, and to dust you will return. That's not very nice. But then the line was always, repent and believe the good news. And here's the good news. (laughs) God loves you. God chooses you. God gifts you with life that you, with your deathly tendencies and your deathly imagination can never secure for yourself. And so we, every week, get together to help one another to remember, to remember that God is good, that God is gracious, that God has chosen us, and we are to live accordingly. Rituals have a cumulative effect. Maybe the first time it didn't mean much to you, but every time you participate after that, it makes a deeper mark, a stronger mark. The more you participate in these processes and rituals that are meant to help you to remember to remember, the more you will remember And when we remember, guys, yes, I think God helps to salvage a soul, but God also helps to salvage a life. And lives beyond yours. I have this sneaking suspicion I have this deep belief, actually. The church, and not just our church, but the church in Oklahoma City is something of a sleeping giant. And yeah, I know that all the metrics are bad. Just as importantly, I think there is soul sickness throughout. (laughs) I think those things happen at the same time. But I do believe that if we could ever awaken that giant, 
by helping the giant and all of the people, all of us who make up that giant, I do believe that if we could help one another to remember to remember who God is, who we are as a reflection, and what it means to be the people of God, can you imagine what would happen with so many pastors and churches and Christians around here? We have to remember to remember. It's one of the beauties of Lent. If you have given, given something up for Lent, by the way, if you have given something up for Lent, this is, and you have already failed, this is a marathon, not a sprint, jump back up and go. But when you have given something up for Lent, becomes this full-bodied reminder of something, and may it be during this season, this full-bodied reminder that your life is a gift. Yep, you and I both have this tendency to be ashy, dusty, deathly, and still God chooses us for something bigger and better. Remember. Remember. If you were helping us to remember with the table, please go ahead and come on down. If you are visiting with us today, uh, we take communion each week by intention, and Heavenly Father, bless these elements that we're about to take. And with them, God, strengthen us to be people of godly imagination. With this bread and with this cup, God, may you nurture and nourish a sense of courage, a sense of integrity that would allow us, yes, to confess the differences between who we are and who you are, between our dreams and your dreams, but also the kind of courage and intentionality that would allow us to move as you would have us move, to close the gap between us. God, may we always stay within reach of our origin story so that we can stay resourced by gratitude. And so, in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna ask you to stand and exit your pews to the left, to the left. And then I'm gonna ask you to come forward with your hands cupped, because remember, this is grace. You can't buy this, you can't swipe it, you can't charge it. This is given to you as a gift constant weekly reminder that what you have, you have as a gift from the hands of an open-handed God. And as you approach a person holding bread, that person will snap off a piece, press it into your hands and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Don't eat it just yet though. Take that piece of bread, dip it into the cup. Someone standing right there will be holding a cup. And when you do, right here to be Emery who would say to you, this is the blood of Christ shed for you and then take and eat and then if you would find a place to pray you have some options if you come to one of these front side padded altars we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing and someone will meet you there with oil to pray that prayer for healing for you physical relational familial marital emotional healing if you need that prayer for healing, we will pray 
with you. But maybe you'll want to come to one of these front mourners benches, kneeling benches. We won't assume a thing, but we will at some point come and put a hand on your back or your neck or your shoulder to make sure that you know that you are not alone because you are not. Perhaps you're going to want to circle all the way back around to your seat, and that's fine too. But please pray that God would reconnect you to your origin story, which actually starts with God. You may want to make a special trip to this little bowl of water, which is super still right now. But when you touch it, our hope is that you'll be jolted, that you'll be reminded of the moment of your baptism when you were included in every, in every official way into this people who have both an identity and a calling. If you can't come to us, Kristen and McCall will come to you. One last thing. You may be wondering, especially if you're visiting, well, who's welcome? Who is eligible to come to this table? Here's the thing. If you know your need of grace, no matter how terrible your morning was, no matter how terrible your last month or decade was, if you know that you need this grace, this is the right place for you. And you're welcome. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread and blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, remember. <laughs> Later on, he would take the cup, hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant, and every time you drink of it, you know it's coming. Remember. Now all across the sanctuary, if you would, stand to your feet. Exit your pews to the left. Come forward with your hands cupped to receive this grace, these gifts of God for the people of God.